Well, you know who might have been on uh, WebMD before the game last night? It was Ilya Samsonov. He may have been typing in, what do I have after I took a shot right no, no, to no. the junk in the He pre-game. said, how do I play great goaler when getting hit in the nuts in warm-up? Yeah, well, he got a positive response from WebMD, yeah, first time ever. Joining us here on the Maple Toyota Hotline, here's our TSN hockey analyst, Mike Johnson. You ever do that to a goalie in warm-up, Johnny? Get him where you shouldn't get him? Probably, Hayes. But I mean, I didn't shoot the puck very hard in a game or in warm-up, but sometimes <laughs> it doesn't have to be that hard. But it's funny. We saw that clip, and then we were like, did he hurt himself? Did he stretch his groin? And then I watched him like, oh, no, no. He didn't pull a groin. He got clipped somewhere else. Uh, but it didn't hurt his game because he was good in that first period. That game could have been 3-4-0. It could have been out of reach because Jersey was that good and Samsonov played well enough to keep the Leafs in it where they eventually played better and, and played well enough to win. But, yeah, early on, he was, like, first three minutes of the game, he was a couple backdoor attempts, Jack Hughes and Jesper Pratt dancing in on him. And um, I guess have we officially dropped the home road splits board because that was a road game for Samsonov where he was very good. I don't know if you've ever experienced anything quite as terrifying as this when you're an 18-year-old and you're at your first training camp, Johnny. Maybe O as well, Hazy, back in Barrie. But Manny Legacy was at Vancouver's camp on a PTO, and I rang one off his clavicle in warm-up. And I was really, really scared. It brought me back to that moment last night when you're hurting your goalie. But it's a little different when it's like, a, like Manny Legacy. That guy was a legend. Like, did you have any moments like that where you're like, oh, man, that's an older guy. That is not good for me right now. Yeah, I mean, again, probably not me, but I'll never forget this one. We were playing for the Maple Leafs. We had Glenn Healy with our backup. And Heels used to wear that. He might have been the last guy with Dominator to wear the helmet, not the mask. <laughs> and so it was Chris King, you know, who was a, a tried and true veteran, but didn't score a lot of goals. And we're doing, like, just the, the semicircle arc shooting after practice. And Kinger walks in and tries to go upstairs, and he pegs him square in the forehead, and heels explode. Like, he's bleeding <laughs> everywhere. And so in a fit of frustration, he whips his stick into the stand. And I don't know if you remember, you guys may be too young, but the gardens, like, they used to have, like, ushers and people that would work in the building. And sometimes they'd watch practice. Sometimes they'd just be sitting up there chilling. And this guy was, like, having a snooze about 12 rows up in the gold, <laughs> and he almost got clipped. My heels is stick, and heels was just, even though Chris King was, you know, a veteran, you know, it was, you know, three goals on the year, and now you're trying to go upstairs, learn how to shoot kind of thing. I can't even imagine if you were a young guy and pulled that off, but that was probably the worst because he cut him open for all kinds of stitches, getting him right in the forehead. Johnny, how do you think the goaltending, like, is it Samsonov's net to start the playoffs as of right now? And if it is, it seems like, Matt Murray can make up so much ground with so little. Do you know what I mean? It seems like if he goes in the net and has two great performances, it'll be like, oh, wow, it's Matt Murray's net now. Yeah, I think it's probably Samson. Like, you know, whatever there is, 18 games left, they, even if they split them, you know, like how poorly does Samsonov have to play? How well does Murray have to play for Samsonov not to be the guy to start game one? I mean, just the consistency, the health. But the performance of Samsonov warrants that he gets the net for game one. Uh, but I, you're right, though, because there is that kind of sentiment. And I don't even, I mean, it must be because of the history of Matt Murray and the success that he has had previously in his career. But it feels like, you know, if he strings two or three really good ones together, we could have, they might be having a, 
I, I the same conversation again. Like, hmm, who who do we go with? But I think I think it's got to be Samsonov, um, given how he's played all year long. It's, it's sort of uh, the the competition kind of feels over, and then it's almost no fault of Murray's. He just he just wasn't healthy long enough to kind of battle for that the starters now. But I think it's Samsonov to, to keep now until something happens into the playoffs. Feels like this goalie conversation is coming up a lot in the East, right? Uh, look at the Devils. Like we keep talking about how good these teams are. How do you know Vanacek is going to be good enough to take you on a run? How do you know Allmark, who doesn't have playoff history, continues this and is a rock star? Like I, I got a pretty good idea on Vasilevsky. Shesterkin has not had his best year based on what he did a year ago. But last year in the conference final was Vasilevsky versus Shosturkin. If Shosturkin, you know, gets sparked and comes alive and feels great come game one, like, is that where you kind of have to start the, the conversation, Johnny? Is you got Vasilevsky on one side of the bracket in the East, Shosturkin on the other side of the bracket in the East, and what are these other guys going to be capable of doing to match what those guys can do when they're on their game? Yeah, I guess I would just dump in Sorokin if they make it. Now, you know, he would be, he deserves to be part of that conversation with the Islanders. I think he's the reason that they will make the playoffs. Um, but yeah, I think everyone else, even Carolina, who I am so bullish on, uh, like, you know, it's Freddie. And Freddie's track record and playoffs and health and everything else, uh, or it's Kachekov or it's, uh, Ronta. Like, there's, there's no proven, proven commodity there. It's Mackenzie Blackwood. Or Kira Schmid in behind in behind Vanacek, you know, yeah. So uh, I guess though, Hayes, I think the conversation is not so much about you know how come those teams don't have a proven guy because in many ways you know you can't prove you've done it until you do it. But it's more how many proven guys are there even in the league? I mean, think about out west. Who's winning the Pacific? They got the Jonathan Quick playing in Vegas, or was Brossois, or. You know, like, they don't have many good, like, how many proven guys that you would count on year after year? Is there, is there five right now? Seven? Like, there's not many goalies that would you dump in the Vasilevsky, Shesterkin, Sorokin conversation. Well, and then outside of, like, if you look at the West, outside of Ottinger, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's kind of what keeps the West a little more wide open. I know Gustafson's Hellebuck, had a good year. Well, and Hellebuck should be in there. Hellebuck, but, yes, but then yeah. you're going, you have Gustafson in Minnesota, Georgiev in Colorado. Like, it's not Vasilevsky, it's not Shesterkin. Like, these are guys that are going to have to prove it this year. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, other than Hellebuck and probably Ottinger, given how well he played in playoffs previously. Uh, but also, like, you know, I, I think Darcy Kemper's very good. He's not as good as those guys. In Colorado, won that Stanley Cup, not a ton of trouble with Darcy Kemper playing not his best hockey after taking some injuries throughout the playoffs. So maybe, you know, another way to frame it is, obviously you would prefer those best goaltenders, and they'll take you a long way It's such an important position. But if you're a good enough team, you can win a Stanley Cup. You can go deep in the playoffs. It's not a limiting factor if you don't have one of those guys, and that should make whether you're New Jersey or Toronto or Carolina or whoever feel good about your chances. You don't have to have one of those guys to win. You can certainly get by with just good goaltending from a good goalie. Johnny, do you think Mitch Marner, as good as he plays, is there a reason why he doesn't get, like, selkie love? He, He kills penalties. He seems to be a great defensive player. And I know you know the numbers. Is it because of face-offs, or why is he never brought up in that conversation? Hmm. 
Yeah, I, I mean, certainly centermen are part of it because it's almost exclusively a centerman award. Lettinen, Lettinen was a winger. Yeah, no, I, I, Lettinen, Mark Stone, you know, has always kind of been that conversation, but just not many wingers um, get considered for that award. Uh, I, I think because he is a very good penalty killer, he's willing to block a whole bunch of shots, he is savvy, but he also is uh, an aggressive offensive player, oh, and when he makes some, occasionally he makes mistakes that hurt the team defensively because he's trying to make things happen offensively. You take it because he's so good, but I think if you're a voter, whether you look at just watching the tape or if you check out the numbers, you know he does concede occasional chances because he 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 makes he's always trying to make plays and, and errors on the side of of offense sometimes and not exclusively defense. That might hurt his candidacy, but it's a conversation worth having because he is, you know, there is no part of the game he doesn't touch. And when he when he's fully embracing just stopping guys, he's a very good defensive player. Well, you look at the amount of minutes he played, almost 26 minutes last night, and yeah. seven of those were on special teams. And, yeah. like, that alone, you know, says something. When you just break down, they're a top-five team in the league, and, you know, he kills penalties. He's on PK1, PP1. He's the guy that activates whichever center kind of needs poking and prodding. Mm-hmm. In terms of just pure value, it's not something people in Toronto are unaware of. But, man, he what a season he's having. I mean, the guy, he's been spectacular. I thought he was great again last night. Yeah, he's, he's so good. I mean, he, he was he not first-team All-League last year? He yeah, was, the last two he? years, I believe. He's, like, he's the best right-winger in the league. So, And I think this year is probably his best year of his career. Yeah, which is which is saying something. Um, I don't know where that ranks him. I you know I, I'd have to go through the list. Like I don't know where he ranks. You know we did the TSN top fifty. We did the TSN top twenty five midseason rankings. I don't know where he would go right now if you if you ranked all the players in the league. But he would have to be one of the highest wingers in the entire NHL. I don't know how you value wingers, centermen, defense, whatever. But as far as wingers go, just off the top of our heads, what do we got this year? Pasta in. Kaprizov. Matt, Kaprizov, Matthew Kachuk. Like, is, yeah. Would that be it? Something like that? So, you know, he's, he's, he's playing with the very best in the world. And when you watch him every night for Toronto, you can appreciate how important he is for all the reasons you mentioned. Like, they're just Sheldon Keefe uses him so much in so many different areas. And it's not like he's just sort of cashing in on Austin's excellence. Austin's amazing, but he's not 60 goals amazing. He's, he's Whatever he's got, 20, 28, 29, 30 goals, whatever it is. Um, you know, he's not just picking up assists like that. He's, he's driving it, uh, a lot on his own for everyone, not just Austin Matthews. So I don't know what you're going to say. Like he's, he's having an amazing year, better than his previous ones where he was considered the best in the league at his position. Johnny, when defensemen come to Toronto, it is a weird phenomena. Weird things <laughs> can happen on the positive or the negative. I mean, it's yeah. a 30 for 30 documentary on D-men coming here. I really like Jake McCabe. The sample size mm-hmm. isn't large, but he just seems to be calm back there. He's got bite, and he's a smooth skating guy. And I, he's never been a guy that I've had on my radar as like, man, I really because everybody's got their guys that they watch, and they're like, damn, that guy's a good player. And he's never really been on my radar, but I like what he's brought to the table thus far. Not really on mine either, though. Uh, you know, I I don't know if it's Buffalo or in Chicago, like teams that weren't particularly great. 
Uh, I know he was a very good junior player, the World Junior Tournament, you know, whatever it was, 10, 12 years ago when he played in it. Um, but I think he's kind of come as advertised. And one of the real phenomenons, I think, not just in Toronto, but in, in a lot of teams, is that if you're a high-profile player, whether you're brought in as an unrestricted free agent or in a major trade, the tendency is to want to try to show everyone right away how good you are. And you kind of try to take your game maybe to places you don't usually take it. And, and, and it doesn't always go well. Uh, I think about Mike Komoserik, who, you know, tried to become a different player in Toronto when it just didn't go well. Uh, it feels like he stepped in and was like, no, I'm very aware of who I am as a player. I'm not trying to chase any game that doesn't belong to me. Uh, and I'm going to just do my thing. And, and you're right. He's, he's a solid skater. He's a solid player. Like he's, he's kind of like plays with a little heft to his, his battles. You know, he moves the puck up the ice relatively efficiently. Doesn't really concede a whole bunch around the net. Doesn't look like he's been too vulnerable off the rush. I, you know, he, he's a little bit like an offensive lineman. Maybe sometimes the less you talk about him, the better he's playing. And he's just comfortable just settling in there and giving them stability. And I think so many ways what Toronto is looking for on the back end is just that stability. Like, they know exactly what they're going to get from that guy. And that guy avoids the big mistake. Because the Leafs are a good team. They have a lot of good players. But I think what Sheldon Keefe fights with sometimes is the big mistake. And so far, Jake McCabe hasn't really shown that he does that. And so um, I guess that's why they traded the first-round picks and traded that deal where he's a $2 million defender for two more years. Like, what a steal that is for value for for Jake McCabe. And um, if it helps. He's the burden on Morgan Riley because we've talked about this before, guys, how depending on how the pairings shake out, you might be asking Morgan Riley to do less, which might make him more effective. And, Johnny, and why do they want Luke Shen? Why do they want Luke Shen to play with Morgan Riley in the top pairing? He's not a top pairing guy, and why do they want to force that? Or are they trying to force that, or what, what are their intentions? It's a good question, though, because like, I've said I think the Leafs have five defensemen that have to play. And I put Timothy Lilgren in my five. And yet it appears, by the scratching and everything else, like he might not necessarily be as high up the pecking order as I have him for Sheldon Keith. Like Luke Shen and Hall and Lilgren are maybe all clumped in together. Like why they want Luke Shen to play with Morgan Riley? I guess if I'm answering that, I disagree with it. I'm with you, O. I don't think Luke Shen can play first pair of minutes. I don't think he can play him against first pair matchup. He's good at what he does in moderation. No kidding. But why they want him to? Like, I think because if you looked at Luke Shen when he played with Quinn Hughes, his numbers were very strong. But I think that's more a function of Quinn Hughes being really very good. The bottom line, Luke, Johnny, Luke th- is that he hasn't been doing it. So why are you trying to create something? And what you're doing, ultimately, is setting it up for failure. And it's happened time and time again with the organization. Mike Komisarek is a great example. He signed the contract. He was a steady Eddie, played with Markov, and took people's heads off in the corner. And then they tried to make him a power play guy when he got here. But it was insane. That, that always happens. Anytime a team picks up a player, it's like, this is the shiny new toy, and we got to try him out in all these different situations and see if and we can bring what? out it the best been, of it. And it Frankie, always happens. It might have been they were in Vancouver. His family was there, and they wanted to just play him with Morgan Riley. Vancouver guys, whatever. 
But maybe it's not a long-term thing, but I just mm. hope it isn't because it wouldn't make sense. Well, and well, think about this. At some point, don't you want to see Jake McCabe? And I know him and, and TJ Brody look pretty good together. Wouldn't you want to see him play a little bit with Morgan Riley just to see what that looks like? And then, like, Johnny, I thought it was a really astute point by you last night when you talked about the Justin Hall pass on the bunting goal. Not a lot of forwards would point that out, so kudos to you. But when when you're down to those decisions, we never see it, you donkey. <laughs> when, when when you're when like when when you're down to those decisions as far as personnel and who's going to be playing with who, like I think there's way more up in the air. There's there's four guys that are going to play no matter what. But after that, like how you kind of piece everyone together, that's going to be a, a big work in progress. It, it, you know, it's a fascinating conversation. There's no doubt Toronto's a progressive team management philosophy. And Sheldon Keith is probably a more progressive coach than most, but he has a little old school in him. Like, you don't have to go back to Commissaric. Look at Labushkin. Labushkin last year, because they wanted a guy who, like Luke Chen, right? They wanted a guy who would hit and play heavy. And Labushkin played too much in the playoffs. You know what I mean? Like, you have to, like, there's a role for those players. But I think if you try to use them a ton, if you try to play them first pair of minutes, you're setting yourself up for failure. Even if they don't cost you, they're not helping you to the same degree that a different kind of player in that role could help you. It's, it's fascinating. Um, you know, I, I understand coaches like to kind of go a risk averse. So like maybe Luke Shen feels safer than Timothy Lilgren. But I think over the course, even a seven game series, like it's probably not a percentage play to play him more than Timothy Lilgren. I don't know if that's how it goes, but that's how I feel about it. We'll see. I don't think anything's quite decided. Um, maybe it's injury-related. Oh, maybe it is the you know soft landing spot in Vancouver with Morgan Riley from Vancouver. We'll see when Luke Shen get back here. But I, I would be uh, curious, if not concerned, if I'm a Leaf fan. Like you know, you don't want to play people just because they're new more than they should be playing. Um, and, and maybe Luke Shen falls in that category. Yeah, I I think that's likely going to be recognized down the stretch like they're you're not going to play him 22 23 minutes based on last year right uh, yeah i suppose but i think that was more they didn't trust lilligren they didn't trust sandine yeah true you know i I think the young guys they didn't trust so they didn't trust hall yet either they they shot him the first two games of that series last year. exactly and and i mean that's the nature of of a top four and and a bottom pairing as you guys know you get to the playoffs you're botting bottom pairing it may play single digits some games like the, it may play nine minutes it may play 11 or 12 yeah better be like, a good nine hazy b absolutely it's got to be i mean you look at it last year it was jack johnson eric johnson and they were they didn't play a lot but they they tried to get out in the right situations they were big veterans they tried to play safe they got off the ice that was effectively what happened with colorado it's what's happened with the third pairing in tampa really for three years and I, I assume that will likely happen here. The question is, how do they shake out the top four here? Because as you mentioned, Johnny, four guys are playing. Riley, Brody, McCabe, Giordano are playing. But are, mm-hmm. those, are those your top four? No. Like, no. So how does it work then? Well, they need one other guy. And that's what we've been talking about, right? Like, uh, if you're assuming Brody's on the left, I know Frankie wants Jake McCabe to go on the right, or maybe with Brody on the right. Like, I, I want to take a peek at it. Yeah, I think Gio's your third pair of left side defenseman, and he can play a lot of different roles and fluctuate his minutes. I think you need one more guy you can trust, and I think they have three guys that shoot right, Lilgren, Hall, Chen, that they are hoping will fill that void more than adequately, but well. 
I think it's Lillard. I think he deserves it. I think he's played well enough. I think the numbers back it up. I think it's him. I think he's the best of those options. I don't know if the coaches agree. Yeah. I, I would agree with you that I trust Lilligren over – in terms of a guy, if you if you told me one of these three guys has to play 20 minutes in the playoffs, Lilligren, Hall, or Shen, I would take Lilligren. How much? Like how much of a margin would you say you trust Lilligren over the other guys? Because for me, it's – Lilligren's had a great year, but it still seems – like he can munch minutes more than Luke Shen. It's for 30% sure. over it's, Hall, and it's 12% over it's, Shen. It's not a ton. Hmm. I go the other way. It's probably – 12% over Hall, 30% over Shen. You know, if, I had to, if I had to rank them as far as who could take that role specifically, that second pair role, I give Lilgren, then I give Hall, then I give Shen. Yeah, I would go the same order, and I think it gets back to what we just talked about with Shen. Like, Shen, is, he's a six or seven, and he's definitively a third-pairing guy. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. definitively. But that's okay. That's fine. That's not, there's nothing wrong. You need six guys. You need them to play. It doesn't mean he's not going to kill penalties. And if someone gets injured, his minutes aren't going to go up. And if he's playing well and comfortable, find him another shift. You know, find him a couple of shifts each period. There's nothing wrong with that. But there are capabilities, um, you know, that, that are, are lacking there in terms of him moving up the lineup. Ten years ago was different in his career. It's not where it is now. You look and, at Tampa, what they did last couple years, it was like it was a ton of McDonough, Hedman, Ruda, yes, Chernak. Yeah. Chernak like, and it, Like those guys, those other guys, Sergachev, it's like if you're a depth guy, you're going out there to not get scored on, not do anything stupid, and not get cycled around in the corners. And it's get like off you gotta the ice. Go out, yeah, and then get off the ice and let the big boy go, Big boys go out. And yeah. Hazy B, that's exactly what we're talking about. Johnny, we've got a new segment coming up. It's not WebMD. It's called Web Hazy B. So <laughs> you could bring up the defense scenario and say, I got a sports team, I got defensemen, and I just took a look today and I'm confused and I want to know what to do. Web okay. Hazy B. Here's my first online web hazy D call in for you. Careful. Right? Careful. Tell us. Yeah. Tell us. I'm in I'm in Montreal just chilling and I'm just flipping around and I see multiple sports movies on the clicker. Web hazy B, I need to know where do I go? Hoosiers, Secretariat, or Moneyball. I was in a toss-up. I wanted to watch them all. I'm a sucker wow. for them all. I did not know where to go. I need help from a doctor. This is an yes. easy answer. This is where you go to the doctor. This we is all why. have one answer. Go ahead, Hazy B. I, I'm gonna, I might surprise you. It's Moneyball. I'm, I'm gonna That's say the correct Moneyball. answer. Moneyball is the correct answer because it's modern. right? Secretariat, it's about a horse. You can't have a lead character be a horse. Like, Come on. And I understand there's more the, to it's it. It's about the triumph of human spirit. I, embodied in a isn't horse. it Toby <laughs> Maguire, too? I think Toby. I, anything with yeah. Toby Maguire is off Web Hazy B. All right? It's banned. It's a search okay. word that okay. isn't allowed. So that's okay. out. Hoosiers is fine, but I don't, I, you know, sorry, it's too dated. Yeah. I, I'm not a, I, Are you kidding me? Yeah, it's oh. not. It, it just doesn't resonate with me. Okay. But Moneyball, you got Jonah Hill, who's great in that. You got Brad Pitt, who's great in it. You're a, you're a numbers guy, That's Johnny. That's the thing, Johnny. I'm asking for more details guy. on you. And yeah. Do the yeah, exactly. It's it's perfect. <laughs> it's it's Moneyball all day long. What does he do? He gets on base and Hazy B. What does he do? Gives you the answer. I That's like right. <laughs> Frankie. Frankie, do you have a That's chime? Right. I am Moneyball 100 percent because my guy Johnny is an analytics guy. 
And he was very <laughs> astute last night on the broadcast, pointing out that Lidstrom-esque pass from Justin Hall. My selection is sharp. click the TV off and fire up your lawnmower engine on your shoes, go to St. Catherine Street, and pin the gas pedal down to the floor. Yes, that is a very good option as well. A very good option oh, as well in Montreal. All right, Johnny. Well, oui, oui, you. you you figure out where you want to take that, God buddy. Bless for That's advice that. for you. both sides. And you let us know where that goes maybe in a in a group chat. Thank Just you, Johnny. Say hi Enjoy to Vic Lovell, yeah. too. He's a captain. He's a doctor. He's everything. There he's it is. AZB. Yep. Many hats. Thank you, Johnny. <laughs> All right, boys. Mike Johnson, our TSN hockey analyst, joining us here on the Maple Toyota Hotline. Build your next dream Toyota at Maple Toyota and check out Maple Toyota's pre-owned inventory arriving daily. It's time to Toyota. Visit mapletoyota.com. I haven't been down St. Catherine, St. Laurent in mm. a long time, man. A long time, Montreal. Like you, know, COVID. you know Johnny's bringing there. the A outfit out tonight for dinner and whatever post-dinner is on yep. the itinerary. Absolutely, man. You, you, Wednesday, like a Montreal, big night in Montreal. There's not, I don't think it can be matched anywhere in the country. Like every, every night's a big night in Montreal. Yeah, it but is. like a Thursday, it Friday, really Saturday is. in particular. You, you get into the spring. You get F1 weekend in Montreal. Woo! Mm-hmm. Man, can it party? It yeah. is a great town. We got to get there. Got to get on the road. Web Hazy B. How do we get to Montreal? I'll tell you how. We'll figure that out. Role play level of concern. We'll Another, great bit. Another, Another great, great bit. Another great bit. Another great bit coming up. Overdrive continues. TSN 1050 and on TSN 4.